In the words of Dolly Parton, Eugene, 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 Eugene. That's right. World Championships are around the corner. And so accordingly, Back Straight is back. We have a little bit of a break. Jodie and Bear very, very kindly let me have a little bit of time away from the podcast whilst I spun lots of plates in other areas of work and life. And I appreciate it massively. But boy, I have missed it. Welcome back, everybody. Welcome back, Jodie and Bayo. And to new listeners, welcome along. Hooray! Claire, we've missed you as well, but I'm very glad um, Claire's gone freelance. So Claire's going to make more money and have more free time, which is uh, great for us. (laughs) It really is. And hopefully some of the spare cash allows me to go to some more athletics. And yeah, the spare time means hopefully lots of pods in the future, which is entirely necessary given just how many major championships are on the horizon we've said it for about two years now but 2022 like this is the summer where it's out right like i still haven't got my head around it all the fact that the world championship is going to start next week is like a bit (laughs) insane to me (laughs) i mean i know we've had the trials and we've had diamond leagues and everything but it just i just hasn't got my head around it yet and then after that i have i don't know what's going on at the commonwealth i know we're going for the weekend because we're taking our mum um for the final weekend (laughs) And then we've got the Europeans and I haven't even got my head around world. I've just got my head around world selection now. Now it's actually happened, but I haven't even thought about the, the Europeans. There's so many other things coming along. As I said to, I said to a member of um, UKL, British Athletics, whatever they call themselves at the weekend, or the, the trials, I said, um, there's way too much on this week, this, this year. I am not going to bother getting my head around any of the um, um, team choices. I'm just going to complain about them afterwards. So, um, they've, we've done the trials, we've picked the team and we will see momentarily whether we have any complaints. Something I also hadn't quite got my head around was the fact that this morning, we're recording this on Monday, the Under-18 World Championships starts yes. in Jerusalem. Uh, there was what? A, yeah. Isn't it the, Europe, isn't it the European Oh, maybe. You know what? It will be the Europeans. Yes. Uh, this shows how hard it is to stay across everything. I had decided that this summer... I'm going to read headlines from the age group championships, but I just don't have time to watch them all. That is too much athletics. The World Juniors is what yeah, is in Cali, um, but it's it overlaps with the Commonwealth Games, I think. So it's going to be very complicated to try and watch everything. Yeah, it's complete madness. And then also where there's the Commonwealth, there are so many different squad announcements yeah. to stay abreast of because you've got all of the different home nations. And then also, completely forgot about this, but I was reading an article with Alistair Chalmers yesterday. And obviously, he's not even running in any of the mainstream vests. He'll be running in a Guernsey kit. Yeah. Oh, yeah. There's just so much. But we promised we keep focused uh, because we want to impress new listeners with a completely false promise that we know what we're talking about on this podcast. (laughs) To those of you that are new, this is the Backstreet Boys and Girl podcast. We run a cursory eye over all the major events, looking to review them, looking to preview them, um, and then inevitably get lost along the way get all sorts of results wrong. Jodie and Bayer show off their formidable historic knowledge of the greatest sport that there is. Um, and we get on big name guests. It is the place to be for track and field chat. And we are delighted to have you along for the ride. I mean, yes, we do, we do have a formidable knowledge of historic athletics, but don't ask me who won anything at the Olympics last year. <laughs> Hi, my name is Carson Worrell, and you're listening to the Backstreet Boys and Girl. Now, the first major champs of the year got underway last weekend. I was busy at Worthy Farm, and I wouldn't have traded in my Glastonbury tickets for British champs, probably. <gasps> 
but but I do think the second best weekend available was the one up in Manchester. You two were there. I'm just going to hand over to you. How was it being back at a track? Well, first of all, we decided we were definitely going to go to the um, trials. We went to buy train tickets a couple of weeks in advance, and of course there was a train strike. So um, we were going to get the Megabus up. That's how committed we are. We were going (laughs) to get the Megabus up. But, funnily enough, your good friend, Sarah, was actually driving up to Manchester that morning or on the Friday. So we had a lift with Sarah, called a Claire a couple of times in the car. (laughs) (laughs) So we got there in in relative style. (laughs) And once you were there, what was it like? What was the atmosphere like? I mean, we'll talk about conditions in a moment. But yeah, let's start with the atmosphere from a sort of spiritual sense rather than a meteorological one. So it's a funny little track, to be honest. It's very difficult to get a lot of atmosphere because there's very few seats. um, And like the the main crowd has sat around the first bend um, or by the start line. So it's like the the main bit of the track by the finish line is like, you know, journalists and VIPs and stuff. So it's not great for an atmosphere. Um, I also feel like it wasn't a very well attended championships. But like you said, there was a lot else going on that weekend. There was a um, a train strike it's also a very small stadium so it wasn't I don't know if it was sold out but it also there wasn't a lot of seats anyway um, but having said all of that um, I had a great time like I was <laughs> I haven't been because I didn't go last year I don't I had I had Covid last year didn't I when you two went yes you oh, was that when you didn't come I, I forgot why you didn't come yeah I think that's why I didn't come so um so I haven't been, I mean, okay, we went to the world indoors in, uh, where was that? Serbia. Oh, right. But I also got COVID there and Bayo broke his arm. Um, so <laughs> it feels like I haven't been to. <laughs> Is um, Universe trying to tell you something? Exactly. Definitely not live domestic athletics for God knows how long. So it was it was great to be there, to see, like, just to bump into people, um, yeah. Jason Gardner and Wendy Sly. Um, oh. It was like lots of just fun people we haven't seen for, Kath- obviously Catherine was there. Um, Julie um, Asher Smith was there. Um, so it was nice to just see everybody and have a chat and get back into the swing. Wendy Sly makes it to everything. I honestly don't think I've ever been to athletics without her there. And I really love how completely in touch she remains with the sport. Absolutely. She's an absolute legend. So we talked about <laughs> Manchester. Um, you headed to Manchester and so too, it seems, did every single possible weather front. The wind hurdles <laughs> final, 5.4 the wind measure. 5.4. The wind... The wind was absolutely bonkers. I mean, you sat there. We, we had like, you know, you had paper, you had cups, you had food with bags and things and stuff was flying away. So <sighs> we kept them to grab stuff to hope it didn't like go onto the track because we were sat pretty close to the track. Um, you could literally feel the winds change direction during a race. So it'd be like whooshing this way and then it'd be like whoosh back the other way. I've never been in an athletic stadium like that. Although I think there were in, in, the, um, in the Irish champs, weren't there like, um, plus eight winds or something. No, minus eight. There was there was a minus eight wind going into the places. Um, <laughs> the weather that weekend, the thing was just crazy all, all over the place. Um, but it, it was a real shame because there were so many good performances mm. and there was so much, so many times and just general performances kind of, kind of spoiled by the wind. Um, it did make a big difference. And that stadium is wide open. So if it is a windy day, the wind is going to whistle straight through that stadium. There's no... 
there's no kind of sides to it. Um, it I mean, it, it was a great, it was a great, great um, champion, a really good time, but the wind did kind of spoil it a bit. And, I mean, it's fun. It's fun because like a lot of those results look absolutely out of these worlds with the times. Yeah. You don't look at the wind. So it, it looks fun. But the problem is some there's some people there who would have qualified for the world championships with legal winds. And they ran times that were fast enough with wind that still would have been fast enough with um, a legal wind. So that that's a shame. I don't think it affected too many people, um, but there's definitely a couple of um high profile ones that I, I think were badly affected. It just goes to show, and we talk about this a lot on this pod, but the value of being able to get invites to those circuits, mm. whether those are Golden Spike or you know National Diamond League races, whatever it is, it shows the importance of getting early season racing in because if you then went along with the standard already, there was so much pressure off you. And I can only imagine how stressful it would be going to a championships, needing a placing and needing a qualifying mark when the conditions are like that. Well, there's, I mean, there's something we'll talk about in a minute when we talk about yeah. um, the selections, because I think some people make some tactical t- tactical errors regarding selection every year. And especially with the new um, uh, ranking system that isn't just reliant on getting the qualifying time, you really, really, really have to think ahead. Um, but that's something we're going to come to because there's a couple of controversies, m- minor controversies, but there's a couple of controversies that I've been um, back and forth on Twitter all weekend. <laughs> it's been funny in the dms because like, we, we say something or jody has been saying things on, on twitter and then you get very kind of illustrious people popping in our dms to explain <laughs> things like no we won't name names but people will be saying well actually you know you should know this or that just behind the scenes this has been going on so um we're kind of in the know. Hi, I'm Dina Asher-Smith and you're listening to the Back Straight Boys. There's a lot to talk about, as you said, but I think the place to start is I'm just going to offer it up to you as you were there in the flash. I've caught up with things since, but for you two, what were your headlines, your standout moments? Um, I'm just going to say one name, which I'm going to be saying all year because I cannot get over how astonished I am by this person and how they are rapidly becoming my favourite athlete in the world, and that's Max Bergen. Oh, yes. I'd actually, that wasn't my one. So absolutely. In my notes, I have just got written Max, full stop, Bergen, full stop. So (laughs) go on, you saw him in the flash. Just how good is he looking? So annoyingly, we had to run. It's a long story. We won't tell you our boring story getting home. We had to run, so we couldn't interview him after. And that's the one person I really wanted to interview all um, all weekend. Um, What I love... So much about Max Bergen is we've we haven't had to complain since we did this podcast really, but like historically, British men's um, middle distances they had a, a period like almost a twenty year period of going to the back and staying there, you know. And we have this new um, new generation come through. I think Kelly is part of that. You know, Kelly winning two Olympic goals I think changed people's uh, views of how to run races and that. But we have a new generation come through on the men's and women's side of people who have got no fear. And yeah. the one above all is Max Bergen. People don't run a race like that unless you're David Rudisha. You know, that, that's, that's the only person who, who runs like that and pulls it off. But he's 20 years old. That's what's so crazy. It's like at 20 years old, he's running a race like that and he looks so strong. At no point do you think he's going to lose it. Usually, you know, six, 700 metres, the whole crowd would come rushing past, wouldn't they? And you just don't see that at all. At no point do you think he's going to fade. He's phenomenal. And I just love the way he runs. He looks so strong. And it makes me so excited for the upcoming Worlds and Commonwealths and Europeans. 
So there was a race that he ran earlier in the year, and I think he's only—I think it's only a couple he's run. I can't remember which one it was, but he went off at some ludicrous pace, like fifty-second pace. Um, and then coming up to six hundred meters, the, the the rest of the um, uh, field field—that's the word I was looking for—the <laughs> rest of the field closed up on him. And you're coming to one hundred and fifty meters, and you're thinking, "Oh, he's going to die!" And then he kicked away at one, and it's just like, what a phenomenal way to run! What a tactic! The fact that he knows his own race so well and he's so confident because a lot of people at his age would go off really fast, but then they'd completely die. He doesn't go off too fast. That, that is a really fast um, pace he's taking, but it's one that he can manage. And he yeah. knows that. He's so strong. He's so... Like, we, we said similar about Keeley, haven't we? How they're yeah. so tactically aware for such a young age. I mean, totally different, different tactics, but just phenomenal. Phenomenal. That night in Europe as well was the night where Keeley laid down an enormous marker um, herself. So I remember we were all just so excited about this crop of talent coming through. And I think it speaks volumes, Bo, that you just compared a British 20-year-old to David Radisha. And it actually didn't feel like a ludicrous comparison. <laughs> it didn't, you know, it didn't feel hyperbolic and ridiculous. And I know he's still so young, so there's probably a lot of physical maturation to come from him. But also he is so tall and languid as a runner, but he's then got the smarts to go with it. It feels like, and I don't want to put too much pressure on this young man, but he really is the real deal. He's got the yeah. full package. But I was saying to Bayo the other day, like, you can think about who he's idols might be and his age if he was watching the 2012 olympics who do you see you see david radisha using exactly that tactic so i mean i don't know we've not actually had the chance to speak to him yet but that i imagine is a formative experience watching the 800 meters and why not try and run like the greatest 800 meter run all the time? <laughs> also so heartening to see that he's someone who can drop a 140 3.52 and a Strava, but then also come to the British champs, which these days, British middle distance championships yeah. are unbelievably, you know, world-class fields, but he then managed to navigate rounds so well and he still won by a full second. So we are seeing somebody who can do it either way. And we've talked for years about how Laura Muir has taken a little while to get to that stage. He seems to be to the man aboard. Max Bergen just came out of the womb, able to run super fast, but also <laughs> able to navigate stuff. And we should remember, he hasn't got a lot of championship experience. He was the world, no, I'm going to get this wrong now, but he was the world number one in 20, what year are we talking about? 19. Was it 19? But then didn't go to the European 20. championship. Was it 20? No, with the kind of been a, yeah. Oh, were they on there? The, were the European... Was it 20? <laughs> so when we won, when we got the gold, silver and bronze in the European um, um, 800. Who knows? It um, might have been 19 because been 19, only, yeah. he, he was 17. Um, he I, don't know, I don't know any years. Like no. the last few years were right off. I've it, it, but it, it feels like it should have been 20. But anyway, yeah. um, but we got gold, silver and bronze anyway. But he was the actual number one going in. And then last year, was it the year before? He was also um, injured just before, uh, I think maybe the world, the world juniors. So he hasn't actually done that junior um competitions like you usually can't through the ranks and he's gone straight in, straight to the seniors he'll be going into really and um, in, in major competition and looking like he can listen we're not saying he's going to get a medal um i'll just be happy if he just makes his way through the rounds we've got as i say two other championships coming up but just the very fact that he's they're him and keely you know at such a young age and a whole load of others underneath them um it's just so exciting for uh, events that traditionally over the last few years we haven't like been um, no, in the last few years we have, but like traditionally we've, we've kind of relied on sprinters, haven't we? Now we're, now we're relying on middle distance runners. 
And also just to point out that, you know, you said about him navigating the rounds at the championships. He also ran a super fast time. He ran 144 yeah. at the British Championships, which I I mean, I think the only person to run faster, I think it's William Tanui in 1990, but that was when the it was the three A's championships then you could um foreign people could could um compete. So to run 144 at a British Championships is insane. He dragged the others to 145 times. You know, previously we've had 148s win. The women's yeah. I think they went through their first lap in 66 or something. And I think yes. what was their time it was rubbish. So the fact that he brings that to the table as well, and he dragged other people to great times. Um, yeah, he, yeah, brilliant. Uh, he actually wasn't my, my number one of the weekend, though. Now you've said it, probably he is, but he wasn't who came to mind straight away. He was yours, um, For me, my performance of the weekend, and one of my new favourite athletes, because we did get to interview him and he was, he was awesome, is Jeremiah Azu. I mean, oh. coming into this, you would have said, okay, yeah, he might get to the final. <laughs> but he's not going to beat like Reese Prescott, who's run 993 this year. He's not going to, he's not going to beat Zarnell. Um, not only did he beat them, he beat them comfortably. Um, he ran 9.9 and it was with a 2.5 wind. So it wasn't a massive wind. Um, that's that's 10 seconds dead um, with a two, two meter wind. Um, what a brilliant performance um and you know when you, he's he's a he's a good indoor runner although he didn't make the championships indoor did he because he didn't run great at the trials indoors um but when you've got a great start you need to get out and you need to put pressure on other people and then you need to make them chase you down and often they can't because when they put under pressure they don't run their own race he There's was four, people's form goes to pieces doesn't it brilliant i can't i just can't I, it was so shocking <laughs> I've heard that his win was also unbelievably well received. Apparently it was one Absolutely. of the most popular results of the weekend. Yeah, because I think his family or certainly people he knows were sat right by the finish line. Um, we were stood with Julie and um, Christian and Darren Campbell at, at the time. And everyone was like, and, and Paula Dunn as well. Everyone was like, what? <laughs> and started like thinking, oh, can we, how can we, how does this work? Can he get, can he qualify? Um, also, you've got, I mean, I, we talk a lot about this, but like the relay, like, to, like we've lost our our starter in the our, our first leg in the relay so there we've got immediately we've got an amazing new um starter um also we talked to reese at the weekend and said reese please are you going to do the relay and he said yes i am i'm now on the squad he's Hooray. now named in the squad he says he's going to do the last leg like we've got an even better team than the team that finished second at the olympics last year <laughs> it's amazing hi i'm morgan lake and you're listening to the backstreet boys Another highlight was actually a bit of a surprising one. Although, having said that, um, I don't think we <laughs> I think there was plenty of people who did maybe predict it, which was Daryl winning the 100. Oh, um, nice. um, We've said her name a lot. Hello, Julie. Um, we were stood with, with Julie Asher-Smith um, as this happened, and she was so nervous. And she was saying, um, oh, I don't know why I do this. I don't, I'm sorry. And when she said that, me and Jodie said, oh, you know, maybe... Um, Maybe maybe Daryl's going to win just because Julie felt so felt, felt so nervous while watching her. Um, but Daryl's been running brilliantly this year. You know she's been running brilliantly, so it wasn't a shocker. And we spoke to Dina afterwards, and Dina said, you know, very magnanimously, "I'm not mad about um, losing. You know, I'm, I'm not happy to lose, but Daryl, you know, they're good friends." And she said she deserves it. Um, but Daryl ran brilliantly, and Daryl is now a a um, regular under um, eleven second runner, and that's what we have to think about. And we are sending two women under eleven seconds to a championship. <laughs> Which is just crazy. The the one two three four in the um, 
in the race were our relay team. So that kind of sorts itself out. There's any doubts about Asher was gonna um gonna come back. She did. Um and so it looks really, really good, you know. Um and also we trust we trust Dina. You know, Dina always comes good at a major champs. You yeah. know, she's done she's doing fine this year. She's doing absolutely fine. She's not nothing's gone wrong. Um it's just very, very early in the season for everyone, isn't it? So um and we were we were chatting to chatting to Dina. She's got I think it's five titles to defend this year. Yeah. Which is crazy, you know. Um, the, the World Two Hundred, the Commonwealth um, relay, relay, and then three at the Europeans. Jeez. Yeah, so abs- absolutely crazy. So no one's got much, as much on the plate as, as Dean Asher Smith had this year. But we have to, we have to say that really, really brilliantly done for Dowell, who then did the double. She won the two hundred as well. Although she's not actually doing the two hundred, is she? She's Jodie's. Jodie's on this. She's not doing the hundred. She hasn't actually qualified. So d- despite the fact that she's ranked 22 in the world on the world rank, she doesn't have the qualifying, which is only 22.8, by the way, which is a she's, very... She's, she's oh. got 22.82, hasn't she? So she's missing it by two one-hundredths? Well, yes, yeah, she missed the qualifying time by two one-hundredths. And this is something we'll talk about again when we talk about selection. So, but she and she's ranked 22nd in the world. But when you go to the road to Oregon rankings, which are very different, because first of all, people are ranked other people with the qualifying times. Yeah. There are multiple people who've run 22.8. So that pushes Daryl right down the rankings. Um, so she doesn't qualify top 32, um, which enables her to be selected by the British selectors um, because of the multiple people who've got the qualifying time. Um, so it is a little bit confusing. But once you get once you really look into the rankings, it's it's pretty straightforward once you understand what's going on. So, no, she but also, you know. If you can't, I'm not, not no disrespect to Daryl, and she hasn't run very many 200s, and I'm sure she could run 22.8, but 22.8 is a pretty lenient qualifying time. Yeah. So if you are outside of that, I don't think you're really in the first place of the selector's mind. But she, she said she wanted to do all the um, both sprints if she could, but it's not necessarily a bad thing that she isn't, I don't think. No. You know, she's got two, she did 100 to 200 and the relay, and she's got the Commerce and, and the Europeans. And we'll, as again, Jodie said, we'll come up, this will come up quite a lot, I think, at the... Um, um, when we talk about selection, it's not a bad thing that everyone who can isn't going to the world because we have not bigger fish to fry, but maybe more appropriate fish to fry in the, in the following weeks. I love the expression more appropriate fish to fry. <laughs> you have saved me the regular battle of thinking, God, come on, think of something funny or clever for the title for this podcast. It's just going <laughs> to fry. Fantastic. So, also, I just want a quick shout out to Imani Lansico, who I think we forget about quite a lot, but she's actually still very young. Looks mm-hmm. so exciting when she gets it right on the day and left with two bronzes in what was a hotly contested pair of fields because Beth Dobbin as well, you know, she's a world-class athlete on her day. So really chuffed for her to get two bronzes and to be heading to the world. It's hopefully full of confidence because she's still at that age where she's got nothing to lose. And she can just head out there and throw herself at it and enjoy the experience and soak it up. There were so many good performances at, at the trials. The other, I think the best race was the men's 1500, which Absolutely. was essentially the Scottish Championships. Yeah. Uh, one, two, three goes to Scotland. Scottish middle distance one is insane. Um, but that was a, an amazing championship. It's Jake, it was the first time he'd won the British Championships. Crazy, yeah, I know, funny. I realise. <laughs> um, and to have that level of competition in your own backyard, like that must give you so much confidence going to the world because you are essentially competing against other finalists um for, for the british for the british championships what a great race like really down to the like the last few meters um great great really strong team we're taking in, in the men's yeah. 1500 
absolutely amazing. And I'm so pleased for Neil Gawley to mm. be back in form because he hurt his calf last year. Um, and in 2021, he was dropped from funding because of that calf injury. And British Athletics uh, said the event performance trend has moved on. And there may be a question mark around if he's robust enough to do the work required to progress to the 2024 Olympics, which as an athlete of his calibre, approaching, you know, the you know reaching the purple patch of their career must be so, so difficult to hear. But he cracked on and his family and friends rallied around him. And we've seen him come good again in a remarkably quick turnaround time. And uh, between him, Jake and Josh, I mean, there's surely silverware to be had. But can we just say that Neil Gawley, it was Neil Gawley in 2019 who won the trials and knocked out Charlie Grice, wasn't it? When Charlie Grice had run so fast that year. Um, So I think we should pretty well get our heads around that Neil Neil Gawley is not to be messed around and not to be dismissed because like that's that's two two major championships in in a row that he's... um, Did he go to... He didn't go to the Olympics, did he? No, Jake Hayman was there last year. Um, But no, Neil Gawley is... is, And he's, he's run very fast. You know, 34 is really fast. And in the championship race... Not they're not all like the Olympics were last year. Last year the Olympics was purposely really fast, wasn't it? That doesn't usually happen in championship races. So um, if you're if you can run a thirty four, then and possibly faster, yeah, you're right up there in the mix. I read Josh's post race Instagram post a few days ago, and what I love about him is his completely naked ambition as an athlete. It's I think it might be a side effect of living in the states for so long. Just say that, yeah, <laughs> yeah, because they do you know, they really like to pin their colours to the mast and say what they're all about. And he was disappointed, came up against better people on the day, but he said, you know what? I know when I'm going to peak, believe me, believe you me, I'm going to peak in Eugene, big things to come. So that from an Olympic silver medalist is very exciting indeed. Well, the thing is, Josh and um, I'm going to, Neil, both just, it was the Olympic bronze medalist, wasn't it? So it's, yeah. it's for them to have both beaten the Olympic <laughs> bronze medalist at the trials, mm. you know? <laughs> Another 1500 meter race at the weekend was won by Laura Muir, who, of course, needs no introduction. But I just wanted to ask you something because I I don't want to criticise British athletics because, God forbid, anyone on this podcast ever criticise authority figures within our sport. But I thought this line in the press release was really weird. They described Laura as, as unleashing to win the race her trademark killer kick. I have never thought of Laura Muir as having a trademark killer kick. Am I missing something? We always think about Laura as running guts for glory. The thing is, she does have a killer kick compared to the level of competition at the British Championships. When you put her against, you know, um, Sifan Hassan or Faith Kip Yagon, then no, she doesn't have a trademark killer kick. But she can still outkick probably everybody else in the world apart from those two. So I guess it's pretty good. <laughs> yeah, and her, her trademark killer kick, as they say, has worked um, fantastically indoors. It's worked at the Europeans. It's only coming against coming up against maybe two people on the world circuit that it isn't a trademark killer kick. I mean, you think about it, she does have a, a killer kick. She really does. It's just, it's a longer kick than most people. Her kick isn't like in the last 100 metres. Her kick is like from like 300 to go or something, isn't it? And then people have to hang with her, which they often, usually can't. Um, she's been very up and down this year. There was that weird race at Eugene. Did we find out what happened there? Because she sort of trailed in 12th or something, didn't yes, she? she did. um, and But other than that, she's been looking pretty good. She's run a, a good good 800 metres. So, yeah, a good 800 metres. The women's 15 this year, we haven't seen Sifan Hassan at all, have we? At all? No. Um, and she, whether she's doing the 1500 or not, I, d- I don't know. But... Um, it seems like more wide open. There's that new Ethiopian, isn't there? 
whose name I don't remember. But oh, the I know exactly the one you mean. Mm. Yeah, the 1500 seems more open, and I trust Laura in these kind of um, championships, in these kind of conditions. So, you know, we'll see. She's been a bit up and down, but I, I just think this is a weird championship because it's so early. You know, mm. people like Laura, people like Dina, um, they're, we can't guarantee, we can't, we're not going in assuming they're going to get medals, but they always come good at a championship, so I wouldn't be surprised. The thing about Dina this year is she's I mean, she's she's running good. She's not running amazingly, but that two hundred meters is out of control. The yes. level, um, but we don't. I mean, you know, Sharika, we can trust her. Well, can we trust her in a two hundred meters? Because she may yeah, not running. But um, you know, Abby Steiner, um, who's run twenty two seventy twenty one seventy eight or something. Yes. Um, she but she's never been to a major championship, so you know you can't you can't you don't know what's going to happen. And she's had a really big. NCAA season as well so you know all these people running really fast championships is a different beast and we know that Dina um, is very very adept at championships but this is what I think about of, of most people all the people who come out running really fast do you really want to be running really fast in May you know even even Shelly Ann you know who's the consummate um 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 Pika, you know, peaking peak at the right time she ran what 20 10 6 or something didn't she 10 7 in um in May and you're just like oh and I'm not doubting for one minute she'll, she'll bring it when, it when she needs to. But like that isn't you wouldn't think that's ideal, you know, when a championship is this, this early on in the season. She has run sporadically this year, so it's not yeah, like she's been over racing. Hi, I'm Dalila Mohammed, and you're listening to the Backstreet Boys. I just wanted to name a couple of a couple of other people. It's an event that we don't normally talk too much about. And that's the discus. Um, because at the, at the British Championships, um, Nick Percy threw 65 metres. Oh, hello. <laughs> I mean, that, that wind came in handy for some events. <laughs> exactly. But he took that's a new Scottish record. And Jade Lally threw 61.50 or something. Like to, These kind of throws at a British Championships are unprecedented. So I love to see that. Um, and it's great to see them, not automatically, because I think both of them had to come through the... Um, uh, the, the rankings rather yeah. than having the qualified, but like easily on the team. No arguments about um, having some throwers on the team this year. So I loved, I loved to see that. Overall, I thought it was a really good championships. We we ha- we've missed a, f- a few events um, because we've got a lot to talk about about other things. But yeah, a really really good championships. And I'm really hoping next year it's back in Birmingham in a in a yeah. proper stadium, uh, more central location. And I think we'll have some really good. Um, I think, you know, have, when you put something in a bigger stadium, it makes it more of an event. And I think people want to come a bit more. Um, so I'm looking forward to it. There's so many good athletes now around now. And I know we get the complaints. We didn't get any gold medals and stuff. But it's not just about that. It's about having this level of someone competitive in nearly every event. Yes. Um, it, it's really, really, I think we've got a really, really strong team at the moment. And I'm not too bothered about what medals we come back with. I'm just enjoying seeing people competing at a very, very high level across the board. I think we're going into a championship for the first time in a long time where I don't know where any medals are coming from. Mm-hmm. I don't even know if any medals are coming. I mean, we've got a couple of really good medal shots, you know, but I. it's not like we're going in with lots. But what we've got, rather than like three or four bankers, we've got like... 12, 13, 14 possibilities. And that makes it kind of more interesting to me. And, you know, if it's a disaster and we don't get any medals, so be it. I will still have a fantastic um, championship watching people do fabulous PBs and things because that's sometimes as exciting to me, you know. Totally. And if someone gets it wrong out in Eugene, then they go again in Birmingham or they go again. Yes, yes. (laughs) 
it you just get so many shots it's great you know there are there are plenty of second third fourth serves going on this summer but hopefully of course I'll go and knock it out the park and get bingo so you've touched on it a couple of times now let's talk about the team it was announced in two stages those that were initially automatically selected by british athletics and then a further 12 i think was it 12 athletes uh, blah, 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 blah. 15 further athletes were added to the GB and NI team for Oregon. Um, over to you, because this is traditionally where you would have a little bit of a rant. What did you make of the selector's decision? Go on, Jody, give it to him. Drum roll. <laughs> I have no complaints. What? <gasps> <laughs> I've literally got no complaints about selection. There's been a couple of minor controversies that people I've been arguing with people about the weekend but overall you know the selection policy was pretty clear cut and I thought it was pretty fair as well there's three rounds of well four including the relays but there's three rounds of selection one is people who come top two who've got the qualifying time so they they select themselves or or they've already, or you know or their diamond league champion or reigning world champion they automatically get qualified so they selected themselves the second round is people who have the qualifying time and didn't come top two. So, for example, someone like Josh Kerr, like he, he got selected in the first round. It was the second round of selection, but it was announced during the first round because it was a slam dunk. Of course, yeah. he's going to get selected, right? And then the third round is where there's a little bit of leeway for, for the um, selectors. But they've made a very clear selection policy was that you can get selected on the rankings, but you've got to be in the top 32 of the rankings. People have been saying 32 is arbitrary, but it's not because it's no. the level of selections. There's only 32 people selected for field events. Yeah. So they cut it at 32 for everybody because otherwise what happens is we're getting people who are ranked, you know, 37 in a, in a track event getting selected, people getting uh, 33 in a field event not getting selected. And then we're all up in arms about how it's unfair to field events, right? So that was the level, 32 on the road to Oregon rankings, which has put people in misunderstanding, yeah, not the world rankings, the road to Oregon rankings, which are different. Um, and a, a nearly, in nearly every case, they've selected the people who qualified. Um, like I said, there were a couple of controversies. Um, well, not, not necessarily controversies. Like Ellie Baker, I'm very pleased to see in the team. She wasn't announced straight away because she was ranked 34th. <laughs> She's still ranked 34th, according to the rankings, but I'm assuming they've been told there's a couple of people being dropped out. Um, the same thing happened to Ben Williams in the triple jump. He's still ranked 33rd, but they've been told that people above him have withdrawn. So they, 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 they're top 32. Um, they're seen as people who can potentially get through the rounds or get through a round or are going to um, benefit significantly from that and that's the bit of Lee where there's a little bit of controversy about you know that those 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 two got through the two that there's been the most sorry just about, before can I just very quickly ask because I, yeah. I I didn't check over the weekend um we had because of Keeley um winning the Diamond nice. League we could take four people in the 800 we but we haven't yes. got four yes we have four, Alex Bell was the Alex Bell was, Alex was Bell, selected. Course, right yes yeah she was selected um because she's ranked 11th in the world um, I don't know why she wasn't at the trials, but presumably it was a minor injury or something, you know, something reason she couldn't run. But the um, selectors are satisfied that she'll be in good form come um, come the championships. That's um, it. I, I, knew, I knew I was missing someone. So that, that makes sense. So the two people that there's been like some talk about on, on Twitter over the weekend um, were number one, our new favourite, Jeremiah Zhu. 
um, who, you know, on paper, when you look at the rankings, he's ranked 33rd in the world. So we're thinking, well, you know, just one person needs to drop out and he's top 32. But the but British Athletics withdraw him from consideration. So for a couple of days, we're like, what's going on? Why would you withdraw someone? But then I looked at the actual Road to Oregon rankings. There's 40 people in the men's 100 who've got the qualifying time of 10.05. So he, it's impossible for him to be top 32 on the Road to Oregon rankings because there's 40 people who've got the qualifying time. So he's actually 42nd um, on the rankings. It's way outside of the top 32 that you need to be. So they officially withdrew him so that somebody else could move up and take that place. It might be, um, I think it might be Philip Tortu from um, Italy, depending on what their selection policy is. Um, but so that was pretty clear cut. You cannot be selected if you're not ranked within the top 32. There was a lot of back and forth with people over the weekend about this, and including ex-British athletes who should understand um, the, the, the selection criteria. policy, but yeah. don't seem to understand it at all. They're saying things like, he's the winner, he should go. And I know he doesn't have the qualifying time, and I know he's not in the top 22 ranked, but you should give the young lad a chance. It's like, that's not the policy. It's not the policy. <laughs> you can't just make um, amendments to the policy at free will. Do you know what I mean? That was the policy. It's been the policy for, I think, 18 months. Everyone knew what it was going to be. And once again, he's got two other championships. He's in the team. He's going to go in the relay. So people are saying, why can't he go in the 100? Because he doesn't qualify. That's why. I'd love to see him given the chance to run in the 100, but he doesn't qualify. And if you make an exception for him, then you yeah. have to make an exception for everybody else. And that's not the, that is not the quality. And it's, it's, I think it's quite a fair qualifying standard. It's not like I we're agree. just arbitrarily not picking people, which we have done in, previously. Do you know I mean, oh, we like the look of them. We don't like the look of you. So you're not going. It's a pretty clear cut um, qualifying standard. Um, the other one was um, Tardi Adura in the hurdles. Second time he's won the British Championships. Yeah. Um, but he runs on the NCAA and you don't get, I mean, very few NCAA meets actually get any points um, for the, um, for rankings purposes. The finals do. So um, he got a few points from that. Um, but he doesn't qualify. He's nowhere near qualifying. He's ranked 50th in the world. He's ranked 40th on the road to um, Oregon. To Oregon. But David King is ranked 20th in the world and 26th on the road to Oregon. So on two levels there, Tade doesn't qualify. Number one, he's not quali- he, doesn't, he doesn't qualify because he's not high enough in the rankings. And number two, we have someone else who's a, who's a lot higher in the rankings. So you'd have to withdraw them to upgrade someone else. I, I don't think that's the policy of British Athletics to do, to do that. Um, so it's unfortunate. But this is what I was talking about earlier. If you want to be qualified for the championships, you need to take note 18 months in advance what yeah. the selection policy is. And yes, if you run on NCAA, it's difficult. It's going to be difficult to get points. So you either have to, you know, really try and get that qualifying time, which in the hurdles, I think it's 13.32. It's quite a, quite a tough one. Um, or you have to prioritise running in races that are going to get you points. And it's tough if you're in NCAA. I get it. I'm not saying it's easy and I'm not even necessarily saying it's fair. But that is, that is how it works at the moment. So you should have known this last year. Yeah. And, you know, you should have prioritized some races that would try and get you points. 
100%. But then again, this is where it being <clears throat> such a long and busy season and competition calendar is brilliant because there will be other opportunities for Jeremiah. And you also like to yeah. think that someone as brilliant as Christian Malcolm in that role of the Olympic head of performance, that he will be, he's, a, he's so aware of the talent this young man has and the potential that he's got. He will be getting him involved in relay camps or speaking to his coaches or making sure that, you know, that his presence is felt within this young man's career and that British Athletics have an eye on him. And what we can't complain about this year, which we have complained about in the past, is they're not taking enough people because actually... No. It's a pretty full team. It's three athletes in so many events, and it's just brilliant to see. There's a real sense of generosity, I think, with the selections. So long as you've hit the criteria, they're sending you, whereas in the past, that hasn't been the case. Pretty much. And the same for, um, for Tade. Like, he's already on the Commonwealth team. Um, and he's, he will probably, um, I, I would guess, being the British champion, be selected for the European team. I don't, I haven't even looked into European selection now, so I don't know how you're going to get selected. No, I don't I know what selection qualified times are. <laughs> I can't think about it at the moment. But, you know, at someone at his level, who is NCAA, who is very young, he's going to have two major championships to run at this year. And, you know, then he's going to qualify for the Worlds next year um, and do, do well with the experience that he's going to pick up, um, that he picked up this year at major championships. There was one other person, Jenny, Divina Ladipu, um, who I think yeah. you were going back and forth on Twitter um, over the weekend about. Tell us what exactly happened there. So there may be more, but there's three people that I've noticed that could have been selected but haven't. And that's because of a little caveat in the selection policy. Um, the overview, which is the first bit in the policy, um, the three aims are to maximise medal success, to maximise individual top eight placings, and to maximise the percentage of the team who progress through the rounds or equivalent performance at the championships. So um, there, I think it's Sophie Cook in the, in the pole vault could have gone she is in a qualifying space but she didn't compete at the trials and she's only competed twice outdoors so i'm guessing like she's injured i'm guessing there's something going on with her the other person i just noticed this morning is abigail irozoru who is um in a rankings place quite high up in a rankings position but she's in no form this year she's only jumped 642 so once again is she going to get through the rounds likely not um and the last one um is Divine Oladipo, who's having a great season. Um, she, I think she was third at the championships. Um, she does just get in as a qualifier. She's 31st. But, but my understanding, and this is what someone DM'd me to say, is they're really looking at this, we've got to maximise the percentage of people who can progress through the rounds. Is there any point taking someone who's ranked 31st out of 32, who won't, you can never say won't, but, you know, the... the, the um, the shot put, I think it was 8.56 that got you into the final of the Olympics. It was 8.05, 18, sorry, 05 at the last World Cup. <laughs> um, so I think I so, threw that as a 13-year-old. Yeah. <laughs> um, so wouldn't it be better for her to concentrate on the Europeans and the Commonwealth, where she probably will get through the rounds, have a great experience. There's another World Championships next year. Next year, yeah. Um, I mean, I would argue that it's slightly inconsistent because I think there's some other people who have got onto the team who I think is also unlikely to get through the rounds. But... But I mean, it's, it's with so many other opportunities this year, it's not a biggie. Um, and, you know, she's still very young. She's another NCAA, NCAA athlete, um, you know, get some great experience at the Europeans and Commonwealths and come out and make that team for, where are we next year? Budapest. Budapest. Because I have to say, there's something about being sent to a world championships on your like first big, big champs and kind of not failing, you know, but maybe not like doing your best. And then you've got, is that not a, is that a bad start to the season? You know, Possibly, are you not yeah. better? I, I'm agreeing with you, Jenny. Is it not better to like 
miss this one and then have great experiences going forward round into next year. Um, I have no complaints with any of the people that are left, left off. I think it all kind of makes sense. And we never say that to me, ever. I mean, has there ever been a championship? Well, we've said. <laughs> no, and, I, and I also think there's a couple of people who are quite lucky to have been selected. So good luck to them as well. It's immensely exciting. And I think also the selection policy meant that we got fairly stacked British championships. So it all just comes full circle and is only good for this sport, especially where you see people like Max Bergen getting a chance to race against some of the very best in the world to qualify for a national team. It's just, it, it feels like things are in a very good place and things are set up very nicely for Eugene. And I'd just like to say, it's nice for us fans to actually not be really frustrated with the selection policy. Yeah. Because there's been such arbitrary selections um, in, in the past. I'm just thinking of Amelia Stickler last year, who just was like not selected because she wasn't selected. Look, Other Alex Bell were. for years. For years, Alex Bell wasn't yeah. getting picked for stuff. And then they took her to the Gold Coast and she has just flown. Yeah. And like, um, and this year, even this year, like Amelia Stickler didn't do well at the trials, but she got on the, she's 28, I think, in the world. She got on the team. You know, potentially she is a finalist. She's flown over 18 metres. So that's, I'm really glad they're being consistent with the yeah. selection and not, it felt like they were playing favourites before and it doesn't feel like that this time. What's really interesting is we always talk about the American trials as being like cutthroat, but like um, very, very specific. You know, you get in the top three, you've got the qualifying, you go. Um, with the new ranking system, it's kind of thrown a spanner in the works of the American um, trial system. Um, for example, in the men's 1500 at trials, the winner has the qualifying and will go. The second and third people do not have the qualifying and are not in the rankings at all. The fourth person qualifies through the rankings. The fifth person doesn't qualify at all. And this number six has the qualifying mark. Who oh goes? God. There's lots of talk on the Track and Field News um, forums about like they're trying to work out who actually qualifies. I think it's, it's the fourth day. I think it's tomorrow that they're actually announced. But like no one's quite sure with the ranking system put into place whether a, a ranking system top, tops an actual qualifying mark. Um, it's very confusing and it's unusual in the American system because you assume that they're going to have enough people qualified and the top three are going to wow. go, go straight away. Um, I, I, just off the top of my head and going on what the Olympics was last year, I think whoever has the qualifying mark is going to be higher up the rankings than someone on the rankings, so they're going to qualify. And then the American policy last year said they would pick in order of the ranking system. Well, I think the, um, I think the rules have changed since last year. Right. I think, I think <laughs> th 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 this is what everyone's talking about. This is what people are unsure about whether an actual ranking, um, if you go in with a with a ranking qualification, whether it is is the same as a um. So what you're saying is our selection policy makes more sense to the Americans this year. It, it seems so. Yes. <laughs> this was all so neat and tidy, and then Bayo decided to fry all the wrong kinds of fish. And what was it that you famously said last week? You threw the pigeon in amongst the cats. <laughs> And this has just descended into wild speculation. I say we knock it on the head at the lovely point that there was a great British Championships minus the crazy, crazy wins. And we have ended up with a team sheet with which we are delighted going into what's going to be an amazing World Championships. Absolutely. Hi, I'm Holly Bradshaw and you're listening to the Backstraight Boys. So Claire, welcome back. It's so nice having you back. It's so nice for you to have to chat <laughs> athletic with you. I've honestly, I've enjoyed it so much. And there is nothing for me that gets me quite as excited for athletics as discussing it with you two. I've been oh. quite good at watching Diamond Leagues, but now I'm like, I just want more athletics to watch. What is on? I'm going to consult the schedules. <laughs> is there a BMC meet that I can stream? <laughs> you know, like I need to watch someone run in ovals. 
Claire, there's the European Under-18s Championship. Starts today, starts of today. Of course. <laughs> I've got a tab open right now on Skyscanner and I'm figuring out how I can get there. They're doing um, all the I, so, so early because of the heat. Apparently the stadium yeah. is packed at like half seven this morning. Right. And it's, it is all on the European Athletics website, I believe, if people do want to, do want to watch it. Um, wow, so we've got, we've got a week, uh, just over a week before the World, uh-huh. the actual world Championship starts. Insane. We will try and do an Instagram live, I think, before before the World Championships, hopefully with a special guest. If we can't have a special guest, it'll be us three chatting about all our favourite things and what we're looking forward to in Eugene. I'm really looking forward to getting jet lag in my bedroom, um, <laughs> staying up all night, <laughs> getting sporadic a couple of hours sleep every now and then. Um, um, a cu- couple of things. I think we should pass over to Claire. Claire, are we not doing something quite exciting during the Worlds? I was just about to mention that. Look at that. It's like riding a bike, this podcasting thing. This is still there. We have been asked by our friends at Wild Athletics to get involved as ambassadors for their fantasy game that they are going to be playing throughout the world in Oregon. We cannot wait. We've had to send over photos of ourselves for some imagery they're making up, which I mean, I'm honestly dreading the release of those. But (laughs) we will explain it all properly on our social medias once everything has been firmed up. But keep your eyes out for that. I can promise it is a really beautifully simple format. I think it's going to be a really fun way to just up the ante and up your investment in the world champs. And gives us a lot more to chat about with everyone on Twitter because I hope everyone's going to join our team. Oh, obviously we're going to be the leagues to join. I don't know who the other people they've got involved are, but back straight is where it is at. So that you don't miss us announcing our ambassadorial roles for World Athletics and other things I never thought I'd say on this podcast. Uh, boys, where can they find you on Twitter? So on Twitter, it's at Backstraight B, or you can just search the back search the Backstraight Boys. On Instagram, we are Backstraight Boys Podcast. There's loads and loads of interviews up there actually from the British Championships. Uh, we actually did some journalising, which is most unlike us. Um, so there's loads of interviews with um, Dina and Jeremiah Zoo and all kinds of people, um, Laura. Um, so you can have a look at them before the world starts. I'm on Twitter if you want to rope me into any debates you have with the boys. I'm at Claire underscore G Thomas. And you can and should leave us a review on Apple Podcasts or wherever you get your podcasts from. Or just keep it easy and hit the five star button. It goes right through. <laughs> uh, one very last thing. I just wanted to give a shout out. Yes. I just wanted to give a shout out to Gemma Tutton. We met your dad at the world at the um, British Trials. He said, could we say a shout out to you um, on the podcast? I hear you're a big fan. Um, good luck this year. You know, you're, she's, a, she's a pole vaulter. She was at the trials, wasn't she? Um, so hello, Gemma. Lovely to meet you. I'd love to meet your dad. And good luck for the rest of the season. It is going to be one hell of a season. And podcast-wise, it starts right here. Thank you so much for listening, all of you. Jodie and Bear, thank you for your company. It's been a delight. I look forward to seeing you IRL later on in the week. Um, <laughs> yeah. Check back soon. See you soon. Bye-bye. Bye.